Welcome back to American Billiard Radio. Today is Friday, November 13th. Yes, Friday the 13th. Hopefully everyone will have good luck today. Uh, and you know, it's Friday. Tournaments sometimes kick off on Friday. Uh, we do have a lot of uh, tournaments coming up this week, and I'll get to those. My interview this week is with the 2020 Jerry Brysath Instructor of the Year, uh, Roy Pastor. Uh, we talked to Roy a couple of years ago about his break and run program, and this week we touch on that again as well as a new program that he's put together. He also talks about what got him into pool and, and that sort of thing. I know last week I had teased that we were also going to have Ra Hanna on the show this week, but honestly, the interview with Roy ran longer than I thought it was going to, so we decided just to stick with the interview with Roy. In the news this week, uh, really, there, there wasn't a whole lot. The Viking Q's Q City Nine Ball Tour, they were scheduled to have an event. I can't make this up at a room called Still Cluckin' in Providence, North Carolina. You know, you wouldn't see a, a pool room called Still Cluckin' in Arizona, but that, that's it's just a, a different region. So anyway, they had their event scheduled. It's Still Cluckin', and the authorities contacted the room and said, hey, if you guys have a bunch of pool players in there, we're going to come in and shut you down. So they canceled the event. But uh, tour director Herman Parker contacted Randolph's Billiards just three hours down the road in Hickory, North Carolina, and they had a 16-player event there. That one was won by Doug Young. Uh, I guess Doug had relocated to Texas for a few years, and this was kind of his welcome back tournament win. And fans out there expect to see a lot more of him in the winner's circle now that he's back. The other event was the J.P. Chower Northeast Women's Tour. They were at Triple Nines in Elkridge, Maryland. Uh, Carolyn Powell, two tournaments in a row. This time she held off Ashley Burroughs in the finals. Like I say, this was Caroline's second straight tour stop win, and she's only played in two tour stops. You know, you don't see Caroline's name in a regional tour stop where she just had a decent finish. You don't see fourth, tied for fifth, something like that. When she comes out to play on an event like that, she usually does really well. I had a chance to talk to Caroline real briefly, and I asked her how she's able to keep her A-game when she isn't out there playing in as many events and and with that opportunity to stay in stroke. I do get to practice um, because I am lucky. I, ha I do have a table at home, so I'm able to practice on my own. Um, but even through the whole COVID um our, our situation now, um, work-wise, it has still been very steady. So we are lucky that um, through online sales and and with the, I guess, support of the billiards community and the customers, um, we're still doing very well and steadily. So we're very lucky in that aspect. So yeah, with combination of work, and practice and also, you know, this other stuff that you do indoors, home cooking and exercising. It's, it's, yeah, it's definitely a, a different experience, but I think it's been a very, um, 
I guess, healthy and um, uh, uh, learning more about yourself type of experience. <laughs> and, you know, like a lot of us who have tables at home, myself included, you know, just having a table at home doesn't mean that you're actually getting on it and, and practicing all that often. I asked Caroline just how often she really gets a chance to be on that table and practicing during all of this. You, you know how it is. When you have a table at home, it doesn't mean that uh, you would be practicing and spending all your time on it. Um, during the beginning part of the whole um, lockdown, uh, definitely didn't really play a whole lot just because there wasn't really any events. Um, I do try to practice for the WPBA, but most of the event, well, actually all of the events this year, except for the first one in January, canceled. So um, there wasn't really a whole lot to practice for. And so, and that's kind of a nice break, I guess. <laughs> and um, I took advantage of that. And, uh, but um, with some recent tournaments coming up and the situation, I think COVID has been a little bit better and people are more aware and they wear masks and they try to keep safe. Um, that's when I started practicing more, but it still isn't, I mean, you know, I, I try to put in maybe, I don't know, five hours a week. <laughs> so it's, you know, yeah. So it, yeah, definitely. Um, it's something though, that really, I guess, you know, just to keep you in shape. Like I mentioned, we have a ton going on this weekend during the height of the pandemic. You know, we would go weekends where there weren't any tournaments, but that is certainly not the case this weekend. Let's see. Sunshine State Pro-Am Tour Bar Box Championship in Sanford, Florida at Rax Billiards. Um, Oscar Dominguez and Mika Eminen are getting together for a, a little $10,000 one-pocket challenge match. You know, neither Oscar or Mika are are really known for their one-pocket games, so that should be an interesting challenge match to watch. The Action Pool Tour is in Virginia for the Virginia State 8-Ball Championship. Arizona Women's Tour is uh, holding their first event back from pandemic. That is their Scotch Doubles. I think they've got 32 teams. Uh, that's at Main Street Billiards in Mesa. We've also got a New England nine ball tour stop and a Q City nine ball tour stop. And don't forget next weekend, Rax Billiards in Sanford, Florida again. First annual Muchi Classic. That's looking to be about 150, 160 players. And at the same time in Florida, Tony Chohan and Scott Frost uh, for a little one pocket challenge match between a couple of guys who are fairly well known for their one pocket game. So again, our interview this week is Roy Pastor. Uh, Roy, again, won the 2020 Jerry Brysath Instructor of the Year Award. That's pretty sporty when you can have an Instructor of the Year Award named after you. I'll, I'll date myself here and ask if that's kind of like the John Larroquette Best Supporting Actor in a Comedy Series Award. And yes, if you got that, then you've also dated yourself. So I talked to Roy about the Break and Run program that we had discussed two years ago. And then he also has a new program that he just kicked off this year that he wanted to talk about. It's, it's kind of a long interview. And, you know, if you're the type of listener who's jonesing for 
oh man, you know, I, I played down and I got the guy to finally raise the bet to a thousand a rack and then I beat him. That's not this kind of interview. If you're inter interested in the future of pool for juniors and for instruction, then this is your kind of interview. So again, without further ado, I give you Roy Pastor. Very proud now to be joined by the 2020 Jerry Brysath Billiard Instructor of the Year, Roy Pastor. Roy, how are things? Oh, very well, Mike. Thanks. I uh, appreciate having me uh, on your show. So what was the call like when you uh, found out that you were the Instructor of the Year? Well, I was I was a little bit surprised when um, uh, because in the past it's been a uh, a voting process, so the instructors would be nominated. I was nominated last year as well, and then there would be a uh, a ballot in effect sent out to the membership, and uh, people would vote. This year it was selection by committee, so um, uh, Bob Jewett led the uh, led the committee this year, and I'm not sure how many people were on the committee or even who was on it. Uh, but uh, I had not been aware that they had made the transition from the ballot to, to the uh, uh, committee selection. So I, I was, it took me off guard even with the timing. But I was very happy to receive it. Well, from looking over your bio, and, and we talked a couple of years ago about uh, one of the mm -hmm. programs that you were putting together, but you're involved in so much more than just that uh, junior program we had talked about. Um, looking <laughs> over the the list of things that you've done, I mean, you've been doing this for 20 plus years. Yes, I have. <laughs> it's been a lot of fun. It's been really a labor of uh, uh, passion for me. I, I love doing it. I love working with the kids. I started uh, playing when I was very young, about nine years old, but I had no one. My parents, I parents didn't know how to play my I had no friends that could teach me and uh, I didn't really have an opportunity to to uh, receive instruction um, and I and I thought that, that would be a good thing to give back uh, to the industry uh, I have a, a funny story with uh, involving Willie Moscone when I was about uh, 11 years old uh, I had already gotten the bug and Willie Moscone was my was my hero and I'm sitting here in my, my office looking at I have a framed picture of Willie Moscone on the wall with a signed eight ball. And I'll tell you why I keep that. But my dad, when I was uh, about 11 years old, we didn't, I grew up in New York, and we didn't have much money. And so my dad, uh, but Moscone was doing an exhibition match at the Golden Q uh, Billiards Hall in Queens Boulevard in 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 Queens. So we took the bus and, uh, you know, it was 50 cents, whatever it was for the bus. And we went down and I was, I wore my best outfit, my best clothes. I was so happy to see Willie. And we, uh, uh, got to see the match. And after the match was over, Willie was selling a book, which I have at this point, a little red book that he was selling at the time. And my dad asked him if he could take a picture with me standing next to him. And Willie asked if we would buy his book. And uh, and my dad didn't have the money. So he, he said, no, I can't buy the book. So Willie said, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. He said, I'll let you 
take a picture of him standing next to me, but I won't look at him because <laughs> you're not buying my book. <laughs> and I still have that picture today. I, I stood next to him while he was giving an interview, and my dad took the picture, but he wouldn't look at me for the picture because we, didn't have the, we couldn't buy the book from him. So I keep a picture of Willie in my office uh, to remind me not to be a jerk to people. <laughs> because, of, because for 51 years, over 50 years, I've been telling that story. Uh, and, you know, I was a little devastated at the time. I was telling that story. And it could have been a much different story that I could have told. For the last 50 years, I could have been telling a much different story. So I guess, in my mind, what I'd like to do is 50 years from now, I'd like to be... When, when they're telling stories about me, I liked it to be not to be a story that I was a jerk. So, so, <laughs> so uh, that may have been part of my motivation all these for the last twenty years. God, as soon as you started talking about an instructional book from William Moscone, my thoughts were that little red book. How many of us have yep. read that little red book? Well, I have it now. <laughs> I was at an auction and I, I purchased the seven hundred dollars. I purchased a, a, a autograph ball and a, and a framed picture of him, and I keep it. And people think that I keep it because out of admiration, and I really keep it just to remind myself. It's a little humbling I, to remind myself every day that it doesn't really cost anything uh, to, to to be uh, to, to show some kindness and some empathy. Uh, once in a while, so so for me it was worth the the, the, uh, the price in purchasing the picture. Now, when I when I was looking over the information about what you had accomplished and some of the things that you go by, um, something that really jumped out at me was a statement that you made, and I'm, I'll read it for the listeners who aren't familiar with it. And it goes as there is one goal held by all successful instructors and coaches, and that is to create a learning environment that provides maximum opportunity for each of our students to reach their full potential. This should not be measured in terms of trophies or accolades, but rather the acquisition of discipline, work ethic, teamwork, confidence, and integrity. Accolades and success will follow each student accordingly. That's, uh, that's pretty deep. Well, I appreciate it. I think in, in my mind, it's, it's pretty straightforward and it's pretty simple. I mean, I mean I've been teaching, well, I mean, I teach adults too, but I, but I really, I've, I've focused instruction with, and coaching with the kids. And I've never charged, uh, I charge adults, but I've never charged a junior player for instruction in the 20 years I've been doing this. And I've, and I've instructed anybody that walks through the door. So I have my, my, I mean, I'm, I'm doing a lot of online instruction now, but primarily for the past 20 years, I show up at a local hall the same time every week. Uh, I open it up. The, the owner gave me the keys many years ago. And whoever walks through the door, I train. That's it. I have an hour of instruction followed by uh, some league play or supervised uh, you know, supervised play or a tournament, but mostly, mostly I put the kids in a league and in a team. And the kids, the, the instruction portion has always been optional. Uh, but if they show up for it, 
I, I have them I have them work. But opening it up to everybody, there's no tryouts for what I do with the kids. Uh, everybody that walks through the door gets trained. So I've had kids with with physical challenges. I've had kids with with autism come in and the family brings them in. I've had kids with uh, all kinds of emotional, physical challenges. And then I have kids who are athletic, who, who, who are, are successful in other sports when they come in. So I have this wide gamut. Now I have to measure success differently. Um, I've had, I had one uh, junior player that had a number of challenges and I took him to the junior nationals uh, two years before he aged out of my program. And, and I still keep in touch with him. He's doing great. But he, at the last two years, I took him to the, the two years I took him to the junior nationals. I think he won one rack. He didn't win a match. He won a rack. And when he won that rack, everybody stood up and applauded, including his opponent. He got a standing wow. ovation. And for me, that was, just as satisfying, just as much a success as when my other kids have won national championship titles. So when I talk about having the kids fulfill their potential, that varies for to each individual. But everybody, I have not met one student that was not able to, to um, achieve something. Uh, to improve in some way, uh, using using pool as a, and billiards as a as a vehicle, because that's really what it is. It's a vehicle uh, to learn these skills for personal growth. It's the the winning the championship isn't isn't the end game. You know what really jumps out at me there is it's so easy to measure success based on what you've won and 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 you have certainly led your your students to a lot of success that way too i mean you you have have trained kids who have gone on and won you know junior national events a whole bunch of them. <laughs> so yes but i train those kids every week right alongside the kids who show up for the first day or the kids who will never win a championship uh, but are just trying to improve their, their, their developing friendships, they're developing um, uh, discipline, they're developing work ethic, they're developing lots of, lots of things, and, and they are successful as well. And, and I take about 15 kids a year on average to the junior nationals. And most, and I have a bunch that are successful, but I, you know, some of them I know are not going to be in the final four. But it is a big deal for them to come to the junior nationals. It is a big deal for them to wear a shirt and be on the national stage. Um, it is, um, it is an accomplishment, and you know, it's it's easy to miss that if all you're focusing in is the trophies. The trophies are actually pretty easy. They show up. If, if, you're just, if you're just working on the process, if you're just working on the development of the, of the skills and what the kids need to be successful, 
the trophies will come. And and on the, the quote that you read uh, about the the accolades coming to the students accordingly, there's a lot of variables in that. You know, we have uh, some kids have a lot of natural talent. Some kids have put in the time, or they've they've uh, you know they have different skill sets. It doesn't, and they will get the trophies. But to have the other kids even be part of the team that we take down there is. Uh, is very it's satisfying to everybody. It's, it's I can't tell you. Sometimes I feel, you know, I, I get parents all the time tell me, Mr. Pastor, this is great. You don't charge any money for this. I said you cannot imagine how how much I do get out of this uh, as a person. I get I get so much out of this. I I feel I feel grateful all the time that I have an opportunity to teach these kids. And and it can't always be about money. Every year, I mean, I try to raise, I try to raise about five to seven thousand dollars a year in fundraisers to help travel. So some of these kids don't have the resources to make the trip, and I don't want to make it uh, be about money. So if kids join my program, I try to make it realistic that if they work hard, they show up, they work hard, they they focus. Uh, they make the effort that I'll be able to give them an avenue to travel to to uh, either run play in the state's state championships, local tournaments, and also to have a, a means of path to go to the junior nationals. And how long have you been taking students to the junior nationals? Probably, probably longer than anybody else. Uh, <laughs> probably about about. 15 years maybe I started that probably and I and I'm losing track but maybe somewhere 2003 2004 um, and and it's been a it's been a process so I mean I've I've learned a lot about how to teach and how to instruct and in the last in the last six years or the last not this year but because of COVID but for the last Six years that that I went to the we went to the nationals. I've had at, at least two and up to three or four of my students uh, chosen from the junior nationals to be on the American team to represent um, the United States and the world. So I've had an opportunity to travel <coughs> to China. I've been to Shanghai, um, Russia, been to Moscow a couple of times with the kids. Uh, last year we were in Cyprus. It's a it's a incredible experience uh, for the kids, and it's been pretty pretty cool for me too. <laughs> I've had a lot of, a lot of fun. I've gone a couple of the years as an assistant coach to the American team. I've got to see some of these kids grow up, um, you know. And because I've been doing it so long, I've had a lot of my juniors age out of the program, and many of them still keep in touch. And they, you know, it's it's really terrific. To, to see. When you talk about the the Junior World Program, it makes me think of Atlantic Challenge Cup, uh, which you know, due to COVID, was canceled for this year. It it sounds like that event may be canceled for good, um, and America did not have the most success. You know, it probably not the success that was hoped for in that event. Um, how, how do you compare the junior 
talent in America to the junior talent, let's say, in Europe? Well, I think I think we have lots of talent in the United States. And we're certainly, in the last few years, there, there are more and more opportunities all the time for junior players. The difference between uh, European countries and the United States is that most of the European team come from states where there are state-funded junior programs. Uh, the I was talking to one of the coaches. I've, uh, I've set up a couple of Facebook pages for the kids to keep in touch during COVID. And uh, one of them is, is uh, international. And uh, I've, I was speaking for one of the coaches in Slovenia last week. And he mentioned to me that they have 1,500. And Slovenia is a lot smaller than the United States. In that country alone, they have 1,500 school programs where they have pool tables in the schools and, and trained coaches. Um, and they have a lot of resources. The same thing is true in Poland and in Finland and Russia. Uh, Russia has a phenomenal program. Uh, a few years back, uh, about four years ago, we were in the world in Shanghai and the world tournament was held in a, in a Chinese middle school. It was a middle school in, in China. This middle school had a large room with 16 nine-foot tables, eight 12-foot regulation snooker tables, full-time coach, cue lockers all around. And this was a, a, a big part of the, the uh, school program in the country. And never mind the program that they have in Beijing where they have a sports school where the kids go live there and it's pretty intense, but we don't have state. We don't have those kinds of resources applied. So what we have to do as a country is figure out a way to develop a national standard. Uh, we don't, ha- we don't, we haven't really had that. I think there's, there's too many, there are a lot of um, regional programs. There's a lot of individual pockets of, of people coaching here and there. Uh, there are a bunch of, people who don't really know how to teach a coach that start programs and you know nothing really comes of it because they don't have the training they don't have the the know-how or the resources to do it properly so what we need to do is we need to have a a more broad program now we did have something like that in the 1950s and 1960s the uh, boys clubs of america now, now i know that now they're the boys and girls clubs but if you look at some of the old BCA books uh, from that time period, late 50s, early 60s, uh, you'll see that. And, and I know the program extended beyond that. But if you look at the BCA uh, rule books, on the back of the rule books, you'll ha- they'll have all of the um, they have all of the lists of the championships for that year. They'll have, you know, Luther Lasseter. They'll have Moscone. They'll have all the all of the great players and all the championships they want. They will also have the national championships with boys clubs because they were holding local, regional, statewide, and national championships through the boys clubs. Today, if you go into almost any boys and girls club, you'll find an old pool table. They're still there. They're generally beat up. Uh, You know, they're in terrible condition. The cloth is ripped, but they're still there. People have just forgotten why they're there. 
so, you know, I've always, I've always, um, putting, putting programs in the schools like Europe, uh, like they do in Europe where they have statewide programs. It's not really feasible in the United States because every little town, uh, every city, every, all the school boards and, and everybody's got different budgetary concerns. They have, there's not really the infrastructure, but I've always maintained that if we could get one of our national organizations to take the lead, uh, it would be doable to go in uh, to the boys and girls clubs and start a national program. And now even more so, because I've gone, I've gone into a bunch of them in New England, and I know that there are other people out in um, uh, Tomac and out in 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 um, Chicago area has done a lot with the boys and girls clubs. So that the every boys and girls club now also has a computer room. So you could take what I'm doing, for instance, on online instruction. I'm teaching programs. I'm supporting programs now just not just students and you could access this infrastructure uh we might have we might have a chance to uh to have our own version of a national program for now i think what we're doing what the bca is doing with the break and run program is that's our best option for the moment of creating some sort of national standard where we're able to to provide curriculum, training, uh, support, not just to kids, but to, to junior programs uh, online on an online basis. But I think we have the potential, uh, but it's very hard to get uh, that kind of, of uh, leadership uh, to go after what I think we really need. And can you elaborate a little bit on the on the break and run program, um, how exactly it works? Okay, the break and run program is a program that the uh, BCA. Now you have to. I have to take a moment, and uh, and I and I have to mention by name Shane Tyree and Rob Johnson from the BCA, because the break and run program came about uh, a little over two years ago. Or so, because they reached out to the. Uh, PBIA, the Professional Billiard Instructors Association. And they said, look, we want to do something for the industry. We want what what programs can we what programs can we develop that will will help the sport, will help the industry. Not just what you can get out of it. We what can we do for the industry? And um and I thought that that in and of itself in a uh in a time when a lot of pool players and a lot of a lot of uh, industry players are, are looking for some sort of weight, some sort of uh, uh, edge. I thought that was a very uh, uh, that was a good starting point for the kind of things we need to do. So the, we started the break and run program, and uh, I had come I had come up with the initial template for it. So they put me in charge of it because I I said something, and. Um, it's really it's an online training program focused on uh, on teaching and coaching, and I separate those two things: teaching and coaching uh, junior players. And the, our initial mandate was to offer free instruction and coaching to junior players who either did not have the resources or access 
to uh, to instruction throughout the United States. And it came about the idea was because I had, I had gone so many times to the junior nationals and I had gone to the worlds and I cannot tell you how many times a family somebody would come up to me and, and say, you know, Mr. Pastor, we uh, we wish that we lived near you because we don't have anybody like you. We don't have, you know, I, we're going to Joe down at the local pub and he's showing my son a few things, but we don't have a real instructor, access to a real instructor, or they just don't have the money um, to pay for it. So that was, the, that was the impetus really to get this thing started. So it, it's kind of, it's kind of um, uh, grown since our initial mandate. My initial problem uh, because I, I started using curriculum. The curriculum that we're using basically is what I've developed over the last 20 years for my junior programs in New England. I have three brick-and-mortar junior programs, two in Massachusetts and one in New Hampshire. So it's really the curriculum because that's what I had available. And uh, initially I thought that uh, there would be a, an outpouring of support from Lots of instructors. I, I, I had trouble with that. Initially, some of the older instructors, some had difficulty with um, the technology because I'm using, I'm using the Internet. I'm using Facebook. I'm using, because the kids will have Facebook. I'm using uh, Zoom. I'm using, you know, Google Meetings. I'm using anything that we could reach the kids. Uh, and... Some of them are uncomfortable with that. Some of them were uncomfortable with the fact that I insisted and the BCA embraced uh, the fact that it would be free, that this would be a service to our industry. Uh, the PBIA instructors, in my opinion, are the professional. They're the professional instructors and coaches for our country. Many of, many of our past tournaments and events you know, we've relied on celebrity. Now, celebrity is not a bad thing. We have some celebrity players that are also accredited instructors and talented instructors, but they don't always match up. The, and some of our PBIA instructors are former pros as well. But really, that part of it, we have to understand that the, the professional instruction and professional coaching, that's what the PBIA is, is about. So to be in this program, you have to volunteer and you have to be an accredited, accredited instructor. So my initial problem, a very roundabout way of saying it, my initial problem was I didn't have enough instructors. So I didn't, we weren't able to promote the program as much as um, I would have wanted to because it would just be me until we got the program, the instructors built up slowly in the last two years, we've been able to have been able to access a lot of the younger instructors. So we have a lot of uh, energetic uh, instructors, a lot of instructors who, and some who've been not all young, some who've been around for a while that have come around to the idea. And we have a lot of younger instructors who are very familiar with the technology. You know, an online school, uh, an online teaching program is not a big deal to these because this is something that they're familiar with. It's certainly something very familiar to our kids, especially especially nowadays. 
And what we do is we have, uh, sorry, created a data bank in our program. Uh, and I have a lot of demonstration shots that are, that are uh, filmed using other kids. Now, fortunately, I had access to my three junior programs. So, uh, and then what we do is we use a combination of, of Zoom, of interaction with the student and their family. We use a combination of exchanging of, of uh, videos. Uh, there's a lot of coaching involved, so the students will actually live stream some of their, some of their uh, matches that they're playing in the tournament. Uh, we use a lot of Facebook pages. So, for instance, if you were to send your child to bring your child over uh, to the program, I would ask for a three- to four-minute video of the child's normal um, uh, practice routine. And I'd use that to assess skill level uh, and assign an instructor. It could be myself. It could be one of the other instructors. If I assign an instructor, I'll try to also assign two, maybe one or two or three newer instructors to shadow uh, the lead instructor on that case. So those instructors are learning the curriculum and learning the methodology uh, as as we're teaching the students. Uh, then what we'll do is we, we take that student step by step, everything from how to stand, how to hold a bridge, uh, how, where to put your fingers, where to put your feet, everything, to, um, to I just did a class on uh, uh, nine ball breaking, how to read the rack, and and how to consistently get in the wing ball, and a lot of these things that you can uh, you could find on the internet, but it's really geared towards the kids, and it's geared towards each kid. So we act as not just instructor but coach. So they'll I'll get a you know I'll be home watching TV, and I'll get a message or I'll get an email saying Roy, uh, my son or my daughter is having problems with this. You know what do you think? And uh, you know then I'll work with the parent and try to analyze what's going on and, and find a solution. So it's, it's an extraordinarily, it's, I have to tell you that it's more effective than I, than I thought it could have been. The youngest student we have in the program right now is six years old. It's doing great. And then we have uh, eight, nine, ten-year-olds, uh, you know, 13, 15, up to I think 17 or 18 is the oldest we have right now in the group. Uh, besides that, it's actually developed even a little bit further than that. So now um, I was contacted originally. So now we have a, you know, we have a lot of good foundation of instructors. Uh, we have a, and we have a, a, a growing student population. Uh, we have, and and now we've branched out to assist the development and the growth of other junior programs. So I've been contacted uh, by jun other junior programs in the United States. I also am working with a junior program in Poland uh, that an instructor, a high school, a middle school instructor had contacted me and, uh, you know, asked me for some assistance. And so I've been providing them curriculum and assistance uh, uh, support uh, with his school program. Uh, I just started working now with, uh, with um, I'm actually in the process of training and, and accrediting a, an instructor in, in uh, Cape Town, South Africa. There's a 
gentleman in Africa right now who started a school program with 140 schools and 2,500 students. And they came to me, and I'm going to be helping them put, with, put together a curriculum for those kids and the methodology. So right now he's, he's taking my online course uh, from my online pool school, and we'll be able to accredit him as a PBIA accredited instructor. And he'll be teaching the same in, in, in that population. They'll be using the same materials, the same curriculum, the same teaching methods that I'm using here, that my other, the other instructors using in Poland, that, that uh, I have in my three physical programs in New England they're using, and then the other locations in, in the United States are using. So right now there's, a, there's what I said previously about right now that this was, our, I, in my mind, our best bet to establish a, a national standard. That's why, because now we have the, the ability to reach train instructors and reach a very broad population. That leads into the American Online Pool School, which is something you created this year, right? So this is something that I've wanted to do for several years, but I just didn't have the time. So, so I was in Vegas in March because um, I, I, uh, I own a very large USA Pool League. I own the largest USA Pool League in the United States. And um, I was in Vegas with my pool players at the BCA, USAPL BCA national event when the country shut down. All of my leagues shut down. Everything shut down. The state where, I, and I was in Vegas. And that night, I started working on the school <laughs> because I knew I was going to have some time. So I took I took advantage of it, and it took me a little time. And it, and that the school is still a working, very much a work in progress. Um, I've gotten some very good uh, people to join me. Mike DeShane will be joining me as an instructor. I have a um, an instructor in Australia that I've that took this program and I was able to certify as an, as an American instructor. Uh, and we're talking about trying to put together a, a, a class or course on snooker uh, in our school. And, uh, I'm, and I've been able to accredit uh, uh, lots of people, but anyway, the pool, the, one of the, the first course that I developed in the, uh, American Online Pool School. It was the PBI accreditation course, and I had a couple of I had a couple of um, reasons to make that my first course. <laughs> the first is that it is a great way for me to recruit other instructors for my break for the break and run program. So these are instructors. These are, are newer instructors that I've had the opportunity. Now I'm able to train. Uh, they're familiar with the curriculum that that we're using. Uh, they pass meet all of the requirements of the PBIA for accreditation, and then uh, and then I, we could do it very reasonably at a very reasonable price because they don't have to fly out somewhere for three days and take a class. So they can, for a fraction of the cost, they could be trained, become accredited as a PBIA instructor. And then the majority of them, or many of them, have, uh, because, you know, on the last day, I say, you know, here's your certificate, here's your paperwork. And by the way, 
how would you like to receive further training in the break and run program? Uh, because what I'll do is I put them in as a shadow instructor with another lead instructor in the break and run program. So they're thrilled with it because they get additional training over and beyond the minimum requirements for accreditation. Uh, they get to learn a whole different teaching methodology that's online. Uh, and they give back to the industry right off the bat. So it's a win-win situation. So that's one of the reasons that I have meant a, a growing stable of, of instructors for the break and run program is many of them that I've been able to accredit train and accredit uh, in this online pool school. So it's been, it's, it's, and there's no geographic limitations. So for instance, we have one of our new instructors is, um, is the instructor from uh, uh, from Australia. He's a terrific guy. He's an experienced snooker coach, and he, <clears throat> and he's in the program. So we get to we get a lot of ex- lot of exchange of materials, a lot of ideas. Uh, the gentleman from uh, uh, South Cape Town, who's in, he's about halfway through the course now, that is working with the 2,500 students in South Africa. He's an experienced player in South Africa, but he is an experienced player uh, uh, on the professional level in South Africa, but he didn't really have a structure, a training or a structure uh, for teaching. This. So this is, this is perfect uh, for what he's going to be able to present to his students. And we have other uh, similar situations across the United States. So I, I think it's a, uh, it's, it developed originally my my notion, uh, my vision of, of this for the BCA. When the BCA asked, you know, what can we do for the for the industry? And and the uh, it was my idea to offer free instruction and coaching. But my I envisioned that all the instructors would want to do it. And you know they would they would set up a online coaching or teaching relationship with some students, and and that would be a good thing, but it's, uh, it didn't go exactly the way I thought, but I think it's developed into something much larger and, uh, bigger, much better than I thought it would be. If a parent is looking for information on how to get their, their kids involved in the break and run program, where can they go to get more information? They go to the BCA website. It's, um, BCA, uh, dash pool.com and uh, when they go to the in the uh, uh, bar the blue bar on top of the page uh, they can click on learn pool and if they click on learn pool then they'll find another tab that says junior instruction and that'll take them to the PBIA and the BCA uh, and the uh, program for the break and run program that'll tell them how to sign up and um, and how to get involved. And if you're one of the, God, millions of people who, you know, are interested in helping as an adult and, and trying to further the, the sport for the juniors, how would you get involved or where would you find information on the American Online Pool School program? That's a... Uh... 
AmericanPoolSchool.com. Roy, it sounds like you've accomplished quite a bit. Um, again, congratulations on the award. That also sounds very, very well deserved. And well, I'm you. looking forward to talking again here in the future about what you've built uh, next. Check in with me in about six months and we'll, we'll talk again. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Okay. That was Roy. Um, Roy strikes me as another one of those guys. There are so many of them in the pool world that they just are constantly doing things. They're constantly creating things. And, you know, it's it's guys like that that have helped make this game. I'm going to say what it is, but I say that as a compliment and not my usual, oh, the game is struggling. You know, the game would be struggling a whole lot more if it weren't for the guys in the industry like Roy. And, and there's a number of others, and, and I don't need to name names of all of them. We all know who these guys are. Okay, so again, that was our episode this week. Next week, we will definitely have Ra Hanna talking about his, his big junior event coming up. And who knows what else we'll have with, with everything that's going down this weekend. So again, thanks for listening to the show. I appreciate you taking the time out of your day. And Dave, we are always thinking about you.